G'day ladies and gents, welcome to Life of Mine, the go-to mining podcast. Matty Michael here. Now, before we get into today's episode, I've got a few, few toolbox issues I want to go through. Now, first, the Life of Mine Christmas party, December 1st, Sunday Arvey at Ed's Sports Bar down in uh, just south of Frio. So I'll send out a formal Facebook event soon, but if you're on R&R that week, or you're Perth-based and you're, or you're a keen listener, come down, have a beer with me and Tucker and whoever else wants to come along. Big Tezza Churston from Tasman Safety, he'll be down there later that, that RV once his missus finishes uh, bustled an Ironman, and it's a bit of a Tasman and a Life of Mine collaboration. Should be a bloody good RV and uh, likely evening as well. So stay tuned for that one. Now, the second thing... I've been speaking about the new Tagged Off project. Now, it's the website and social network that's going to commemorate deceased people within the mining industry, whether it was mining-related, out-of-work accident or, or natural causes. And it's going to be an awesome thing for families because they can all, all of us that worked with these fallen legends will be able to share some testimonials and stories about how these people trained and mentored us and possibly a few funny stories along the way. So... The website development, it's underway. I've uh, started up a Facebook page, so make sure you get and like that. And I've attached the link to the GoFundMe page, so if you could please chuck in a donation, help me pay for the bloody thing. Otherwise, I'll have to go back on two and one. And thanks a heap to all the people that have donated already. So Mark Bowden, he's donated a grand, and Zuma Brand have actually come up, come to me with the idea initially. He's chucked in 500 bucks, so thanks very much, lads. And yeah, all the all the corporate folk out there, get your companies to chuck some coin in. The go the gold price is soaring. No excuses. Help out the little guy. Right now, let's get into a bit more of uh, Mal Major, business line manager for trucks and boggers in for Sandvik in Asia Pacific. And hope you enjoyed uh, the life of Big Mal in part one. In part two. We're going to get into some sciencey stuff and we're going to talk about some of the exciting new technological advancements and stuff that we're going to be seeing in the mining industry, some of it very soon. And this will range from full swap battery trucks and loaders to new engines aiming at redu- reducing diesel, uh, nano diesel particulars, the stuff that you can't see, the stuff that can really, really buggy you up and um, plenty of exciting new automation as well. So anyway, let's get into it. Copy, shift pod. Okay, radio check. Yeah, radio's working fine. Yeah, copy your personnel. Yeah, copy, mate. Yeah, stitch her up there. Thanks, mate. Yeah, right, eh? Hey, copy that. Right, now, back to part two. We, I, I forgot to say, episode 50 was the last one. You've, you've, you've been the honorary member to raise the bat for the... Uh, for life of mine, mate. Thanks I for being feel part privileged. Of something special. Is fifty? Is that silver or is it gold? I don't know. I'll give you gold, mate. I'll give you not orange. We'll give you orange, mate. <laughs> Just had a great little tour through the Sam Sandvik factory. Um, I'll put a put a photo up. The the six two one. I I cannot believe how much rooms in those cab cabs now compared to the old six two ones. Yeah, unbelievable. And that's, and that's all feedback from the industry clients and users of the product, letting us know, and yep. then the listening part too, and giving the product that they've asked for. Yeah, yeah, all all very impressive. And got the oh, got I even got a photo in the four twenty two, the four twenty two. What's the you're telling me about the one that's. Uh, Coming out next, the 422 IE Jumbo. Yeah, so that's the battery unit. So it's essentially it's plugged um, at the face, um, still through a tether through the 1,000 volts, yep. um, but it will tram around on battery. Yeah. So we've been using them for a, little, well, a few years now at um, in Canada, but it's the first one we'll see in Australia shortly. The There's a follower I work with, uh, Dharma he's called, Jeff Elder. He, uh, he was, I think he was... He was thinking underground the other day, and he had just he had this thought, and it was a br- brilliant idea. And when you said this four twenty two IE, I thought this was it, but <laughs> no, this is so. Put this in the pipeline. This is straight from the shop floor. But he said, "Is there like just being able to develop some sort of battery cell where you can, uh, you know, have it fully charged and go in like you know, if you just got to go drill some pops in a rock somewhere, like somewhere out of the ordinary that wouldn't have power set up, but just." Just having that battery capability to go do that quick 20-minute job on battery and not have to find 1,000 volt. Mate, if you can make that happen, he'll well, be a happy man. Funny enough, old mate Dharma can have that today. Yep. 
So that that unit will do the occasional hole as well. Really? It's, yeah, it's run by um, uh, one motor um, yep. running the hydraulics. Yep. And whether it's ran by batch or electrics, it's still the same. Yep. So uh, yes, yeah, so you can do the occasional hole. Yeah. Right. How and oh, that that so is we must exciting. have been listening. <laughs> there you go, mate. That this is how quick Sandvik operate, <laughs> mate. We just like just if you think of it, they're doing it without you even knowing. Big Brother's always <laughs> watching. <laughs> oh, mate, he's going to be stoked about that. Good, good idea. Where's it's where where do you think batteries batteries are do you, do you think batteries are ever going to be able to generate what 1000 volt does or is there is there something is is nuclear going to come to the forefront well, it, what it, it's doing it today right but uh, you've only got a finite uh, amount of battery power yep. so uh, and and let's talk about the uptake globally so and yeah, shamelessly um, promoting that we purchased Artisan um, vehicle systems at the start of the year, right? So they're underground trucks and loaders, uh, a full battery swap. Yep. All right. So when you say full battery swap, what is, is that? Yeah, essentially taking the taking the diesel engine out, putting a battery in. Yep. And, and it has you know traction motors, and whether it's truck or loader, depending on how many traction motors it has. And you know we're talking about a, a forty ton, fifty ton truck. Uh, that they can have a full battery swap in eight minutes. Yep. You know, these things are running for... Full oh, sorry, I, I misunderstood. You're saying to, when your battery's out, you change the batteries in eight minutes. Full battery yep. swap. Yep. yep. So, and that's self-swapping. Yep. You know, so there, there's that technology out there. Yep. Um, that's adopted in Canada and North um, in America uh, in their mines because predominantly they're shafts, so there's um, a lot less uh, declines. Now... Apply that to the Australian market when you've got these long, you know, up to 13-kilometre declines like Gualia. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to happen, right? So we're going to see diesel around for some time or some some kind of mix within yep. that, how that should look. Yep. And you're talking about like when you say mix, I assume there's going to be hybrid and the 422 IE is an example of a hybrid yeah, a hybrid and, and, version. Yeah, I mean, and hybrid is a mix of technologies. So yeah. um, if you have a look and um, there's diesel, electric, there's, you know, with batteries, there's uh, all, all sorts of different stuff and it could be trolley, you know, um, see trolley have a comeback. Yeah. So, and, and hence why we've taken um, a, a, a strong interest in what diesel uh, engines are doing in underground. Yeah. With the question I've always got about battery power in terms of, like having the you know having enough battery power to to get you through but where where's the balance between the energy that goes into making these batteries the fossil fuels that are used to make all these batteries to provide this battery power it it seems like the the more more batteries that are made the fossil fuels to generate the materials to make the batteries there it's just it's like a whole another side of the argument yeah. in a sense uh, and, and, and electrics is a far more efficient way so that's I, I think has been the drive predominantly for that uh, and i won't argue from the surface because there's all sorts you know you're seeing crazy stuff on um social media about there's a diesel generator charging a tesla mm. you know and, and that you know doesn't uh, make sense but what does make sense is having battery um, or electrics underground by not having diesel yeah because and that's and i think that's in that environment where you do have ventilation concerns and you know we can all talk about um, the impact on health uh, but if you're not putting uh, that exhaust emissions underground then you're not going to have that and it's something else yeah so it makes more sense in underground as it does anywhere else yeah yeah it's do you, do you ever think we'll, we'll get into the like the specifics of you know the artisan and uh, we want to talk about DPMs and everything, but it's do you think nuclear is ever going to get a start with uh, <laughs> it, it, that? It, I assume nuclear is the most will be the most efficient means of energy, but very big risk and stigma attached to it. Yeah, uh, but uh, it seems like there's the world is really looking to make a go of the battery. And solar side of things. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I can't, I have not spent too much time looking into nuclear and, and how big that would need to be to be on a um, an underground truck or loader. Yeah. Um, but everyone's tried everything else, right? So there, there's trolley's been around for many years. It hasn't really taken off for whatever reasons. So go into what a trolley is. Oh, yeah, so a trolley is uh, essentially, um, let's concentrate on a truck. 
as the pentagraphs. And when you come into a decline, those pentagraphs would go up. Yep. So a negative and a positive, basically. And they would, um, it would be on a trolley system. So that's where it gets its electricity from. So it's not diesel. It is not battery powered. It is um, powered by the overhead power lines. So like a tram. Yeah, right. I, yep, I'll right. get you now. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So that, that's another way of coming up a decline without, you know, with, with, without it. bigger engines or uh, bigger batteries. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. That's uh, good. You wouldn't want a rock bolt sticking up to tear one of them bloody <laughs> things down, would you? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, then there's safety around how you have that handover with those overhead yeah. um, power grid and stuff like that. You know, yeah. that's all stuff to be worked out. Yeah. So is that is that been trolled? It's, as you said, it hasn't really taken off, but it's... it's early stages of thought is that being trialed yeah, anywhere? well it hasn't well it's been in um an application for quite some time in um, um lkab in sweden there yep uh, but it hasn't really got out of there it trialed it here in australia uh, many many moons ago uh, but you're sort of lacking um having that battery technology so that the battery mm. technology can enable other technologies to work yeah so is the benefit of having like a trolley system, for example, would that be your, it's just direct, it's the same as a jumbo operating on a thousand volt, like you're not, yep. you're not emitting any fumes yeah. or anything like it's, yeah, it's and there's still a power station up like running it up top. There's still but, a big dirty power yeah, station which, upstairs. Which you're going to have anyway. Yeah. Yep. But you're doing it in a more controlled environment. You're using the fuel that you need to. Yep. Uh, you don't have the emissions underground. You don't have the heat underground. So yep. there's a lot of benefits, yep. you know, that the operators and, and anyone going underground are going to benefit on. Yep. What's What do you think is one of the biggest, some of the biggest challenges with a battery system is – I would assume life of the battery in the short term, but what about the actual degrading of the battery or the life of the battery? Um, probably not. The, the biggest concern people have is having fires underground. Yeah. Um, so we should also, uh, every time we look at this, we look at it from a safety point of view. So hence the chemistry is really, really important. Yep. Uh, and there's some great papers out there to show you the different chemistries, you know, um, and what's safe and, and what's not safe and what you would consider underground. No different to what um, our forefathers did looking at in the very first diesel machine going underground, yep. why it wasn't petrol, yep. you know, and that's the, the, the same scenario that they're looking at. What is that chemistry to look at? Because, correct, oh, I'm, I'm plucking facts out of my ass here, <laughs> but uh, oh, I, I think I read something the other week that the battery vehicle was actually invented before the, like a, a, like a petrol vehicle. Like that was one of the earliest car designs was, a battery vehicle and then it sort of got squashed and went down the the fuel road and yeah. now like batteries actually coming back in yeah so henry ford and um and edison um you know they talked about what that vehicle should be and the delay on i can't remember the exact circumstances but um, they couldn't find a plug-in station versus a petrol station yeah so hence it went to uh, the model t but. so mate, i could i could cut oh, this is all oh, you're working with me well here i can just <laughs> i can pluck something i thought i heard once and you just continue on and finish it for me we're going good here mal <laughs> Right. Happy to oblige. Yeah, cheers, mate. Um, now, talk about. I want to talk about the Artisan purchase. Artisan. Who who is Artisan? Who, yeah, so, uh, who was Artisan? Yeah, so, and, and I think it's important to understand that that Artisan was a um, a battery company before they were anything else. Yep. You know, so they've put their product into and powertrain systems into other OEMs, and and then eventually worked out that um, they wanted to split in themselves and let the technology take over. Because the technology, when you're starting to talk batteries, you know, the whole idea is to eliminate waste, right? So and anything, eliminate waste, eliminate heat. And, um, and that's what they were looking at and, uh, and come out with their own designs. Yeah. You know, they've had the four-ton loader out, um, full battery swap, uh, since 2017. Yeah. Yeah. Last year, they launched the 40-ton the Artisan truck, the Z40. Yep. And this year will be the, the Z50. And uh, they also brought in late last year the A10, so a 10-ton loader. Yeah. So full battery swap. Yeah. And what what's the sort of, let's say, a 10-ton loader? What sort of battery life are they getting 
out of it currently. Yeah, and, and it's a bit of a different application that we know of today, right? So you're talking in a, um, a shaft mine, so a lot of it's um, horizontal versus what we're doing today on declines yep. and stuff. So um, they're averaging between that four to six hours. Yeah, right. Very so, good. All right. And is there any – is there a difference in power compared – being operated by battery compared to being operated by a big diesel engine or are they gradually converging towards the same performance? Um, well, the battery and electrics far outseed anything you ever see on diesel. Yeah. So, I mean, you've got 100% torque from zero. Yep. And that's the difference with electrics. Yep. And because that's that's why they talk about those Teslas, like the, the Model S or whatever it is. It's not to not to up. 60 mile an hour not to 100 in like two seconds like they reckon it's just yep. ridiculous it's crazy i have driven in one yeah and uh, it is just out of control it pulls g's yeah three g's or something like it. it's yep. just out of control and is that so is that like the science behind it you're saying you just you've just got 100 percent in energy transfer essentially yeah so the most efficient way to to transfer energy from that battery to the to the final product being movement yep there you go and is so yeah Essentially, like there's, we might be seeing quicker trammings, better digging with a battery system rather than a big grunty diesel motor. Yeah, and, and let's try, try not oversell this because it, it's quite easy to get excited in the hype. There, um, it's not applicable to every mine. Yep. You know, the way they've survived up until now is um, finding mines with problems, right? So ventilation concerns uh, or lack of ventilation. Uh, so there um there's still going to be a need for diesel for some time you know uh, is four to six hours going to work for most mines you know yep. I mean, you go some of these transfer um boggers that we see around um are, uh, are fairly you know well utilized and so the battery will deplete a lot quicker yeah you know so diesel will still be around for some time or some other version of it right so yeah but i assume like sandvik like or any organization acquiring a company like Artisan, they're not looking at what they got now. It's looking, right, what can this turn into in, in 20 years' time? There's just, there's so many, I would assume, in the renewable energy sector, there's just so, there's so much untouched. They haven't even scratched 1% of the surface oh, of what would be capable. Yeah, we're putting um, you know 50% of our R&D now into electrification. Yep. So we know there's there's a future there and, um, and we've got, you know, we could bore you with roadmaps all day on all of mm. our product lines and what we can see yep. um, here for the for the X amount of years. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it, it's really interesting to see, and we're, we're moving quickly. What what about loaders that have been out previously with trailing cables, like retractable trailing cables? Were they essentially like they're electric loaders? Were they? What were the question without notice again? But uh, <laughs> what were they? Did they take off? Were they practical? Did they have the same sort of, you know, productive energies? Yeah, is- and, and you see they're good in their particular environment and their tethered is, is good in the contained environment being a block cave yep. uh, or sublevel cave. So you've got, um, you know, a working area there which is essentially mission-free. Yep. The, the issue with them has been uh, how do you get them from that job site to another job site um, or to the workshop? Yep. So, so battery, again, is the enabler for that. And yep. that's come in as well. Oh, yeah, yep. Yeah. I'll see what Yeah, because it's, 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 you know, having that electrics is perfect, right? And because um, it's the same emission free, you can run it all day. You know, mm. it, it's not like a diesel loader. You know, you've got to bring it in and, and grease the bucket pins and stuff. But yep. they're, um, you don't have to fill it with fuel, anything like that. Yeah. When did, I guess, when did Sandvik really start getting or acknowledge the, the need? to really start focusing on emissions, looking at renewable energy rather than – because I assume it would be so – being a mining equipment manufacturer, it would be so easy to stay in the bubble of what's working at the moment, everything. It's nice and easy just keep selling them. But to actually take that quantum leap to the next stage of looking down the road of renewable, renewable energy and looking 20, 30 years ahead, as you say, 50% R&D is going into electric – yeah. electric vehicles possibly non-revenue generate and when, when did they really start getting involved in this sort of stuff well i mean if, if i put my load and haul hat on here we um we go back to uh, well, as a company um ethos but uh for the tire loaders uh, we've had electric loaders since 1981 
You know, yeah. so they've been in the market for quite some time. Uh, the industry will push you as it has over this, even in my period in, in the last 10 years, they pushed us from um, tier two to tier three to, to tier four finals. And now at the end of this year, we'll have stage five. Yep. Because people want clean engines, you know, we're starting to understand what that actually means now. Mm. So the market will push us, but, you know, you can go where a, a, um, uh, on the stock market, Sweden stock market. So you have to be green. So that's part of it. Yep. Um, but how you do that along the way is, you know, the, the, I think the industry will drive you uh, more than anything. Yeah. And is it such a, like a risk in a sense to, to go, to, you go, you go, a company like Sam, it goes down the road of trying to release, like releasing battery powered uh, equipment or like a lot. And it's so, so different and and you're going to get like there's going to be teething problems with everything but it's uh i'd assume it's such a it's such a risk to release a product and to have a go at this but then risk the credibility of re- releasing something that might might have unknown issues at the time it's um uh, it, it you need to you need to be in the front of the market you know you'll probably get um, slammed in the market for not trying, yep. you know, rather than actually trying something that didn't work, yep. you know, because you can always uh, fix it on the way through. Mm. But I think the the market will be more aligned in trying new things and be rather be partner with someone like that than um, someone who doesn't actually push the boundaries. Yeah, yeah. Is that um and Sambic that that seems to be like a the way Sambic operates. Like right, let's like. It, partnering with like you know artisan like and you know take took over tamarock took over toro it's yep. just like that's their really taking control of the marketplace getting this finding what the best technology out there is at the moment and harnessing that under the sand big batch yeah and i think another great acquisition for us was new tracks getting that on board and that technology yeah you so know, what's new tracks um they're a, uh, an it company have gone out there and they do location tracking they do um um, health monitoring of equipment as well. Do yep. all sorts of monitoring underground um, environment as uh, surface and underground. So when you say location tracking, is that like um, using for tracking and machinery used in remoting yeah, and automation? People, machinery. Yeah, yep. they do Wi-Fi systems underground as well. Yeah, they yep. do. They've been in it for some time. Yep. Oh, just just part of this this business this business line manager title, mate. It's all worth the words, mate. <laughs> Jesus Christ, how do you bloody have you got a, a roadmap on the board of just all the shit you got to look after? <laughs> be, uh, well, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, unbelievable. Your head must be going a million mile an hour every day. Mine's going off at the moment. <laughs> there's, there's, we have roadmaps for everything. Yeah, and, and it, it's and it, but I mean, I, and I guess I'm passionate about it because I, I enjoy doing it. I enjoy being with a company that is progressive. Yep. And uh, and they push the boundaries, you know, and, and expect their people to do the same. Yep. So when are we going to be seeing trials or evidence of these artisan loaders and trucks in Australia? Yeah, so Samvic has a digitalisation event here in uh, in Brisbane um, in December. Got any so, tickets, spare tickets? You well, I'll have to here, mate? <laughs> slip you one, I'll yeah. take the mics with me. Uh, I think you'll get something out of it. So, uh, And this is about um, some of the industry leaders coming in and, and having a bit of a discussion on their digital journey and yeah. you'll get to talk about products and stuff as well. But uh, it's more a it's a, it's a Samvic internal thing, but it, it's not a sales pitch. This is, you know, what is the industry doing? Yeah. You know, and that first view, you'll get a first view then of the um, the Z50. Yeah. And uh, you'll see that work and it's on the boat now. So I'm um, look forward to seeing it. So which one's the Z50, sorry? 50-ton truck. 50-ton Full truck. battery swap yep. within eight minutes. Yep. How big are these batteries? Uh, so you're probably talking in weight. It's probably easier. It's yeah. uh, It's about, you know, uh, seven to eight ton of battery sitting on the front of it. Really? Yeah, and self swapping too, so the operator does it uh, from the inside of the cab. Yep. So there's a you'll have essentially battery stations they drive up to, and yeah, you'd have charging stations like you do any. Um, um, <laughs> so they're not like a Tesla, but yep. yeah, a fuel station will be now a um, battery charging station. Would it give you the? It'd give you Sandvik the shits every time they bring up battery that you get the Tesla name comes up. It's just everything. Anytime you talk of battery, everyone says, oh, I like a Tesla. Well, it's just yeah, it I mean, becomes such a generic name that, in, in yeah, batteries. That's the reference because they've pushed the um, the boundaries on it as well Yeah, uh, and done a great job in doing it. I mean, everyone is Chewed following. all the shareholders' money. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and uh, they've, they've set the target um, for all the other OEMs as well in, the, in that vehicle market. 
Yeah. I wonder if they've... Do, do, is there a collaborate international collaboration between companies like in the renewal renewable energy market, or or no one really gives away trade secrets? Um, there is a global mining group for um, battery electric vehicles. Yeah. So and um, Sambic and Artis are on the um, committee of that as well as most other OEMs and uh, major miners as well. Yep. So there is a standard coming now. There's version two. Um, and soon to be version three come out of yep. what a battery electric vehicle should look like underground. Yep, yep. It all, all sounds very exciting, and it's probably, probably going to happen in my lifetime too, which would be which would be exciting to yeah. see. Yeah, it will do. Yeah, very good. Right next, and this I guess this follows on from why why we're going into f- trying to go into battery versus diesel. Uh, we talked about it briefly in the last episode. Nano diesel particulate matter sounds like <laughs> something you'd uh, learn in the second year of uni uh we've always heard of dpms well, yep. what's the dpms as a as a as an overview but this these nano dpms yeah just give us a, give us a rundown on what what diesel particulate matter is and the difference between what we knew as diesel particulate matter and nano diesel particulate matter. Yeah, so so diesel particulate matter is the the black soot, um, essentially unburnt fuel that you'll see come out of an exhaust. You know, yeah. um, all engines will do it. Um, some will do it consistently. Um, and some will just do it uh, as you put your foot down. And now, uh, and uh, we're having a bit of a joke here before about um, when I first started underground mining, used to test with those glass tubes. You know, <laughs> yeah. and we got one operator goes, oh, what are you doing when you're doing your testing? Oh, we're testing um, the, the emissions for the month. Well, if that machine passes, I'll eat my own shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're only testing noxes and co's and by the time we finished it, so how would you like that shit, sir? <laughs> you know, so being a smoky engine, it's yeah. still passed, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. So, so the, the, nano, the nano particulates are the stuff that you can't see. So yeah. anything under 100, so in, in size. Now, this is um, it, it's nothing that you can and filter that you have on site. Uh, yeah. It doesn't matter, HEPA or mask or filtered, whatever, it won't stop these, right? Yeah. And they say it even absorbs into the skin on a daily basis, right? So, uh, so it, it's tiny, but you know we've got mod- all got modern engines now, so you don't necessarily see the um, the elemental carbon or the carbon or the diesel particulate matter, um, and you can't see this nano particulate. So um, the industry called um, um, called everyone to account uh, about the nano particulates. It's going to be the next killer. Yep. So. You know, as a group, we didn't know actually where we stood because no one was testing. Yep. Uh, so we went we went through this, and as everyone else did, and went and tested. And uh, by testing, it really formed our roadmap of how we wanted to do it. Yep. Was so, it was it so there was when did they come to the forefront? The nano so because these like the the term diesel particulates and the knowledge of it's been around a while, but nano is only more recent in the last few years because it's only in the last few years you can actually measure it. Yeah, you know? right. Yeah, was it not like did someone actually come out and like discover it, or was it always known it was there? It's always there, but it's always been the unknown. Yeah. So um, there was people talking about it for some years and uh, no one really took any notice and uh, it wasn't in the industry so uh, we didn't we didn't test it because to get underground you just text, test your um, noxes and goes right so yeah it's good to go yeah so uh, we went back and had a look and i mean we we're talking uh, and we didn't do the testing you, you outsource and we had a independent uh, verifier on that as well and uh, independent party and it was about seventy thousand dollars worth of equipment come in and test it yeah so not everyone's got this um, testing kit and mm. you can't just have it on a mine site yeah so uh, so that really tested us um with that and and once we got that information what do we do with it what's good and what's bad we didn't even know that the industry didn't uh so at the end of it uh and what it came out with is uh nanoparticulates so this is nanoparticulates are uh, measured per cubic centimeter so you remember yep. you know a little cube of sugar so yep. uh, the industry accepted forty-five thousand uh, nanoparticles per cubic centimeter, yep. and the reason that was uh, is because you could ventilate down to ten thousand nanoparticles per cubic centimeter, yep. and and that number was basically if you go back to the the safety reference, right? That uh, if you, um, you when you go to work, 
you know, you go you go to work in um, the same condition you come home in, right? So you, you have all your the same limbs and that attached. And that's where they're saying when you come home after work in a mining environment, your lungs should be in the same condition. Yep. So hence that 10,000. Yep. So um, so we tested some of ours and not so flash um, being some of the different tier ratings or stage ratings. Um, but what it did show is our truck um, was exceptional and also the, the new model um, stage five coming out uh, was the definite path for the loaders. Yeah. And what, was, what were some of the, I guess, designs or – main contributors to higher levels of nano particulates like it could like based on like the fact that they sort of didn't weren't able to measure and price so i assume that you couldn't even incorporate design changes because you couldn't measure if they were high or not yeah and 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 us being a european company we go back to uh, the european standards european regulations on emissions and, and it's a road going measure so it really doesn't mean much to us underground now uh, so there's been that since um, I was trying to think of the dates of what that was, you know, like 15, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so you see us come up through the stages. Now us thinking that we're pushing the stages through um, in the like getting up to in the stage four final and yep. I'm thinking we're doing the right thing. In our, in our truck, you know, because th- these are all clean engines, right? So you start with a clean engine and then treat it. Yep. Uh, that's basically the, the philosophy of that. So with our truck was a stage two, so over 560 kilowatts, um, and we got it at 600 nanoparticles per cubic centimetre. Yep. Now, if you remember, 45,000 yeah, uh, yep. is the number, yep. and the stage five uh, that we're going to bring in is around 7,000. Yep. So, you know, there's a, a, sort of mapped our process and, and the engines that we wanted to, to continue with here in Australia. Yeah. Is there... Is the DPMs emitted from a diesel equipment directly proportional to your nano DPMs? Like if you if you've no. got high DPMs, you get high nanos, or they're not not directly related? No, and what we've seen testing and and uh, between the different people that test, uh, it's it's the different way that the engines work and different horsepowers and you know. Um, depends on what that, you know, the configuration of the engine is, mm. um, as to what those diesel particulates will be. But uh, it showed there was huge variations from millions down to um, down to hundreds. Yeah. So it's a, I assume it's a massive balancing act in the design because one thing that might help reduce your DPMs might reduce your nano. DPMs, I assume there's, I wouldn't even imagine where the, well, the yeah, how yeah. deep the rabbit hole goes for it, but a but for those who are aware of uh, tier four engines, you know, and AdBlue systems, uh, what essentially the um, stage five does is, is uses the same technology but adds in a um, passive diesel particulate filter. Yeah. So it takes out the nanos as well as treats it. Okay. So look, look give a bit of a uh, look, not even I 100% know, or, or not even I 10% know what AdBlue does, to be honest. And a lot of people probably don't. What? How does the AdBlue system work in the Tier 4 engines? What's its role? Jeez, I'll need a uh, whiteboard. Jeez, because uh, <laughs> a lot of people probably go fill the AdBlue up and don't even know why they're filling it up, to be honest. Yeah, so there's – and I won't get too technical, but there's different ways to treat an engine. Yeah. So um, – and it's uh, through EGRs and all sorts of stuff. But the, the AdBlue is a different process and, and takes out – adds a little bit of um, uh, ammonia in but takes out some of the noxes and co's. Yep. Yeah. And is that and so that's through like essentially through yeah, the yeah, SCO is you know, through selective your, reduction catalyst. Yep, yep. And so that your tier five, your stage five engines, they're still got an AdBlue system, but additional filters as well. Did you say? So yeah, so it's a passive filter uh, in there. So you essentially you're still treating the after effects um, of the engine or of the emissions, yep. um, but you're, you're adding in a passive filter so it essentially has to go through a filter first and and takes out the nano nanoparticles yep yep and, and are they the, i assume those filters are that just becomes part of your servicing, your servicing that you change these filters out yeah. and don't lick them i gather once they no, and <laughs> and talk about go back to operators right so hence why you um, look after your turbos and why you do your um your, your turbo timers and your, your all that type of stuff is 
because if your turbo fails and puts all through these catalysts and then there's a yep. few thousand dollars there that you have to change out and um, and then hence they don't work. It's yep. the same with passive units, right? So you, you put in anything other than the exhaust emissions or clean it with the correct water and that, you destroy them. Yeah, because what is there... Is there, is there, do you think there's a full understanding of the health effects of what diesel particulates are doing yet? No, what? no. And that's what the Sunrise Project, um, the study that, that did, you know, it's, they're still, what, it, what the, the, the project did give them is got a great way of tracing how emissions um, travel through a mine. Uh, but there's still, uh, there's a lot of study going on about, um, the epigenetics epigenetics of uh, what those nanoparticulates are doing to um, to the body, and yep. you know, there's all sorts of people out there um, that have an opinion on it, and, and there's some, you know, some um, some great research, but I don't think we know what the final effects are, and I, I think prevention's better than the cure. I don't want to find out about it mm. um, the wrong way. Well, you you, you know, they like. You know they're not positive anyway. You know you're not uh, you're not gaining any health benefits from them. Like on oh, a, yeah. as you said, the 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 measured effects of how bad they are aren't known yet. No, but, but if we can put uh, the right engine in, yeah. we should be right. Yeah, yeah. Very exciting. Very exciting. Yeah. It's, uh, as and as I said before, it's um it's just good to know that that's it, it, it's happening because yeah. You, you just have that general belief sometimes when you're tramming around underground and you, you're behind a truck and you're just like, oh, <laughs> fuck, I'm not living a long life here. It just – but to know that that's – and you look you look back at the older generation of mine when everything was open caps. Yeah. And, like, without your ad blue systems and your, your – and those guys are still kicking, a lot of them. It's, uh, it's good to see, but it's – um yeah, it's, def- it's definitely good to know that this stuff's – going on yeah it's, i mean the only closed cab uh when i started underground was the land cruiser yep and they didn't keep closed cabs for long <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> exactly it's uh no nah, very exciting um big underground equipment oh yeah it's it's a a bit of a joke and we sort of touched on it in the first part is um, you look at narrow vein and then you look at narrow vein Australian style. Yeah. So um, narrow vein in our way of thinking is you're, you're following a narrow vein, you know, it could be 20 centimetres wide uh, and they will work at it 1.8 wide and get a small loader and a, and a drill in there. Yep. Um, narrow vein Australia is 4x4, four four. get it in there, bulk mm. it out yep. and um, get it on the ROM. Yep. You know, we do it big. And, and and the funny thing is, you know, this is now spreading globally because yep. you've got uh, for the likes of some of the contractors are now not just the Africa's pushing into Africa, starting to get into um, North America and that as well. So you're starting to see um, big gear get all around the world. Yeah, yeah. Is there like the narrow – can we go skinnier? Well, I've, been, I've been in a single boom – Single boom jumbo site. Uh, I think one was going two and a half meters wide. Was re- that was that was boring, just boring only with um, the single boom jumbo. Then bolting with an air leg and like to really get it as skinny as possible. Yeah. Is there what is what's going on around the world? How how skinny are, are mines getting? Oh, yeah. Well, you don't have to go too far. I mean, even operations here in Australia, there is some one point eight or one one point eight. Really? Um, there's two well, and a half. With with mechanised equipment, yeah, 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 it's still a fair amount of air legging uh, when you start talking ground support and stuff. And yeah. it's the same in West Australia here at Daisies, and um, uh, still doing some of that. Yeah, but um, but they're reasonably high grade as well. Uh, but if you talk to a, a contractor, and um, the reason we've gone that way is because we can um, take it out just as cost effective in, in taking in big. Mm. Yeah, so it's, it's the main uh, driver. Yeah, and it, it, it'll be interesting to see what especially with the gold price trajectory we're seeing at the moment. Um, you know, narrow, really narrow, narrow ore bodies that say, like, you know, two or two or three grams a tonne might become feasible if gold keeps going up to bloody, on this trajectory, up to 3,000 bucks an ounce. It's, um, yeah, it's pretty and, exciting. And, and, and a lot of that stuff will come to the forefront. Yeah. Um, yeah. Grade is king. Grade so. is king. And, um, and that dollar per ounce is pretty important. Yeah. So what, what's your involvement with that side? I suppose your load and haul, but it's that's the big thing. Getting the you know be, being able to blast the rock, but your your thing is right. How am I going to get a 
bogger in there yeah, to and get this stuff out of a 1.8-metre-wide drive. Yeah, and I guess I'm lucky, well, within Sandvik, I'm lucky because uh, I don't have to get down into the nuts and bolts of some of this stuff because we have an applications team. So for the likes of someone has, um, you know, something going on on their site, they want to expand or they want to have a look at their current process, we have a team of uh, not, not just mine engineers but engineers um, that have a look at um, the operation or it could be still feasibility, it could be something like that, yep. and, and they will run the numbers and, you know, because it's – uh, for the, those engineers on site, we'll see their part of the world and how, how they view it and, and what their experiences are. Uh, we get to pull from, you know, a global database, what's yeah. going on globally. Mm. If we don't have a reference site here in Australia, we'll go out elsewhere and, and have a look. Yeah. There's, that'd, be the, that'd be the unreal thing is, that, as you said, just having that, look, we've seen this here, we've seen that there. It's like a, a mining consultant powerhouse. Like just yeah. being, as you said, you've been in, you're all at 140 countries. Yeah. It's uh, such a wealth of knowledge. Yeah. It makes it easy to, you know, to stand on those numbers and say this is what we've seen elsewhere, this is yeah. what you'd expect to get. Because what's the uh, the old, you know, the old 151 that everyone talks about for narrow yeah. What's What's the modern 151? LH203. LH203. Yeah. Same dimensions, is it? Yeah, roughly. They haven't changed too much over the years. Yep. Yeah. Still, I first started is it still an open, open cab? Yeah. Yep, yeah. has to be. It's still that air-cooled Deutz and Yeah. Yeah. Are the levers, levers the same? Are they, have they changed? Are they still the... Uh, in Australia, we have an um, electrical joystick now. Yep. So otherwise, <laughs> it was, you can still get them like that, though, yeah, and they yeah. still work and, you know, around the world. Yep. Uh, the more modern version of that is the smaller, a little bit smaller, and it's LH202. Yep. So two cubic mark bucket. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's uh, – where, where do you think – as you say, do you think Narrow Vein is going down the path of bigger bigger drives quicker rather than skinnier drives? Yeah, well, and, and it's it's all a numbers game really, isn't it? Yep. So um, – uh, once it becomes less cost effective and, you, and you're carting out and you start to look at emissions, I think battery might also influence because we can put battery easier into those smaller profiles yep. um, than, um, than diesels. So, uh, and then you start talking um, mines that are a lot um, deeper. Yep. So it might come into consideration for seismicity as well. Yep, yep. Very good. What, now, another one I'll ask you about is the boggers the or the automation of the boggers so i'll just i'll just sat in the, the 621i yep um oh as i said love the cab space <laughs> Lo- love it god you could put your feet up in it nearly <laughs> what's when you say automation now the automation i'm i guess sort of seen already is when you you know you're doing your auto mine which is a sandvik tele remote and set up your manual your path of where you're loading, which is your guidance, and you sort of let it run between uh, between the draw point and the ore pass or the stockpile or whatever. Yep. Where's automation going to from there? Where where are we at at the moment, and where and I guess where are we heading? Yeah. So, uh, and I guess for our automation space, we've been doing automated um, trucks for the 15 years. Yep. So, uh, come from a long line of that. Um, fleet automation um, was our specialty. Uh, but we couldn't um, – you can't push that everywhere. That's not for everyone. It's more um, block cave or it's all similar environments. Yep. <clears throat> so we had to come back. So we came back f- until automation, so the auto mine, so auto mine light being automation for a single unit. Yep. And then multi, so one chair, multiple units, and that could be truck, loader, drill, uh, and it's not really specific. Yep. So same chair for a truck and a loader. Uh, if you're doing that, um, trucks on a decline, loaded by a loader, yep. and and then uh, more of guidance systems. So um, we call it the teller remote, um, and it's a easy, quicker setup for those quick stopes that you turn over. Yeah. So where it, where it's going, I think it's more the technology is now. How do you uh, make that quicker so the easier setup guides all this sort of stuff um, you'll see automation systems incorporating now into the bigger picture with uh, wi-fi because yep. wi-fi is really the enabler underground 
And that's what we've been trying to push, that uh, the more Wi-Fi, the more communication you can get because um, you don't need to be underground now to operate those units, mm. you know. You don't even need to be at the mine site. No, no, and they proved that recently yeah. um, and operating one from Perth. So you, um, so where is it going? I think you're going to see more consolidation. Um, as broadband gets a bit better, you'll probably see more people um, operating them from Perth or from a, a local town rather than having to go to the mine site yep. and it'll be someone um, that will change the units over. Yeah, but if, if we go if we go back to what automation's there for is to move remove people from an unsafe environment. Yeah, right? it's not to take jobs. Not to remove people. No, and no. and that's what some people get stuck on because it's. But, but also, what people don't see is automation can also enable jobs that can't be open today to open up because you can operate them from a lower cost base as well. Because that's the thing with any with any automation that is introduced in any industry, there's always jobs associated with that automation. Yeah. Like, like you, if, for example, and that's, as you said, people think, oh, automation's going to fucking take me job and there's going to be no jobs for anyone. Like, but if you, let's say you got a bogger operator on site operating a bogger, well, okay, you take, you take him away from that site, he might be operating it from in Perth, but then taking that manual operation away from site introduces IT and extra extra jobs associated with keeping the automation going. So yeah. it's not it's it's definitely not reducing employment. It's just that stigma that gets attached to it. Yeah, but I mean, if you go back to mental health, I mean, I don't know about you, but you're sitting on the the, the drill all day and you got no one to talk to, so you probably chew someone's ear off, and it's probably why you're doing a podcast. Yeah, but yeah, they're um, <laughs> letting it all out. <laughs> <laughs> but but imagine you're all uh, you're all on the surface operating equipment and and actually having a, a life and an environment where you can you know see the sun where you can um interact with people on a daily mm. basis because I, I went to the doctor the other week and uh oh bloody call they called me back for me blood tests <laughs> and um i'm thinking fucking do you know it goes through your head i'm like oh god the mm. you don't run god. a podcast do you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly and vitamin d was like because you, yep. you as you said you, you half my life i'm in the dark yeah and uh look day like especially day when i'm on day shift you don't i don't literally do not see the sun until fly out day because you go down in the dark you come out in the dark and uh oh look i love it but but uh yeah, yeah but like you know is there's, there's imagine if someone could wake up in their house and just walk out to the lounge room to their uh inbuilt automation system that Sam Vic have put in their house and like people it might head to the head to the way where people could nearly operate mining equipment from home yeah. <laughs> like, like like that's a really well there's, really a, there's a service provider in uh, Malaga trying to do that yeah you know so you don't have to leave your suburb you can go to the next well, go to the next suburb and you can go clock in for the day go and yeah. do your operating and, uh, and then head home yeah how nice would that be yeah with Wi-Fi it, was that part of what was the company you said Vic acquired new tracks and and there that there that's all part of the wi-fi yeah well, and, and we don't do wi-fi as a business and and new tracks uh um probably bring that to the to the forefront for us but yeah they're um i mean because the, the trouble is wi-fi is you've got to live in the whole decline um to make it anything mm. um meaningful so and, and there's some good and the bad that comes with it there um, and you lock that lock that in or it could be 4g lte or could be mm. the next 5g whatever that is but you want a live decline you want to um, have that data come back off the trucks and the loaders and the drills and the people yep. um uh, on instant basis and make it easy what's the i guess the technological development going on with wi-fi in terms of if it, is it strictly needs to be fiber optic or is it looking to go down via leaky feeder is there a lot a lot happening in that space how to get wi-fi underground easier yeah and there's been trials all of it there's uh we participated in that um trial that northern star did at uh, millennium yeah and that was leaky feeder down the decline yeah you know that was um, great to see some of that working yeah you know but the thing regardless of that method but you need the um you need it live you need it on every um drive to make it worthwhile and for a lot of reasons communication you know just actually see live environments uh, what's mm. going on there's bigger data packets come back because what we're all trying to work towards is this oee so um the the, the overall equipment efficiency yeah and, uh, and filling those gaps yeah and take the cost out of mining right yeah yeah and 
But it's a lot about uh, it's about the people as well. It's like making like as you said, given given people the options. Like, look, there's positions available. If you don't, if your FIFO gets the better of people, look, you can do your job. You can do it in Perth. Yeah, right? and it's uh, well, you ain't got to look at a lot of the open pit. I assume going to like a Rio Tino or a BHP control centre where people are operating uh, surface drill rigs and trucks all from the comfort of an air-conditioned office in Perth. Yeah. uh, Very, very brilliant to see that really get into the forefront of underground too. Yeah, and and not everyone needs to work away. We're not working away because we enjoy it. Most people are there for the money. Yeah. Strange people like yourself. Yeah, um, I'm a bit of a weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> no, but but it's say if you want that option to come home, you can. Yeah. All right. So it makes it a bit easier. Yep. Yep. It's uh, now the auto dig. Now this is <laughs> this is uh, it's as you, as you said. As we were talking about it before, there was um you know trials with being able for a, for a loader to go in and automatically get a bucket, but it's just as you said between you know rock rock fragmentation sizes yeah the position of where like the as unless you're at a fixed draw point yeah the 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 position of where you're getting that bucket changes like there there must be a lot a lot of work going into that and that's a bit of yeah it's one of those tough puzzles to solve to get it to really work in any environment because no god especially as you said you glow global company trying to get one machine that can go to any mine site in the world is it would be a tough ask yeah so we can get it working um, near 100 percent of the time in our test mine yeah right so it's a known environment it's known fragmentation um um, all great Uh, you get into there's no perfection in underground so um you start getting different draw points you have to um, then in the design generally in block caves you've got to articulate and then there's another issue yeah so the the automation is is always going to protect the machine Mm. So if the environment's tight or it touches, then it's going to shut down. Yeah. So it's seen as not successful. But they're um, in known environments and if you can predict and it's a straight um, rather than a um, a turn in those environments, yep. then um, then you can do it um, pretty high percentage of the time. Yeah. And as you said, the weather, oh, oh God, I assume even just the how wet the dirt is, things like that. Like, you know, you go bog a, bog a real wet draw point compared to something that isn't as wet david you can obviously if it's if it's dry she bogs a lot easier but you can't you know dust is an issue whereas if something's super wet you're not getting and there's a lot of fines in it there's there's just so many so many factors yeah there's a lot of variables in it and and that's it you can you can dump at a draw point um uh, all the time and be 100 percent successful but the digging side uh there's going to be different technologies come in to help you out yeah um to make that work and what sort of stuff is oh god i guess the computer science behind it is it there is it like a artificial intelligence essentially looking at your machine pressure when you're actually hitting that muck bowl and changing your pressures to actually get this bucket i assume there's a lot of a lot of computer work going in the background here yeah. to actually achieve this <laughs> there's a lot of learning and and for for those who don't know much about the fins um they're never going to put out anything unless it's 100 percent. yeah and that's the struggle right because yep. um, they won't put it out there because it's not 100 percent. but you need to test it get it out there to test it so mm. um sometimes it's a bit of a struggle uh, with their perfection yeah yep is there any any test is all testing happens in Finland. Any testing happen in Australia? Yeah, we are. Uh, we're always testing. Yeah, um, doesn't matter what product product line, whether it's even, even just a simple testing a bucket or um, um, you know testing a drill bit. There's so much that happens out here because yeah. it's real life, and you'll get some pretty quick feedback mm. and sometimes some quite honest feedback. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> <Right>, you get <laughs> honest remember, and direct. <laughs> I, re- I remember we were at uh, Sandvik come up to Telfa. <laughs> oh, this was hilarious. And one of the blokes, one of the bogger ops come in, he's oh funny bloke. And he's just got in there, he's like, right, this is fuck, this is fuck, you need to bloody improve, blah, blah, blah. Gave him this big list and then he's like, right, where's the stubby olders and the shirts? Where's the merchandise? What have you bring up with you? And I'm like, mate, they're not gonna give you fuck all after all that. <laughs> But there's, the great part about that is the characters we have in our industry. Yeah. 
you know. Yeah. And, 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 you know, one of the things they said was, I think, the cab space. So, and as you, as yeah. you said, it's, uh, it's all come from the shop floor. That yeah, and, you know, and, but keep in mind, right, those are the guys that are sitting in these things 10, 12 hours a day. Yep. So if you're going to get feedback, you're going to get it pretty honest from those, yeah. um, those people operating them. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But, but as you said, a lot of especially with the maintenance side, a lot of it there's so much – awareness as well like the, having that sandvik presence up there like because a lot of people might know little things to edu- education in terms of yeah maintenance on machines if you like you you don't know what you don't know yeah and there's, there's a lot of still a lot of green people in the industry and, and yeah. new people coming in so uh it, the whole point of having that expertise on site is to transfer that knowledge yeah. and, and for those guys to learn uh, learn by doing uh, rather than put them in a classroom sometimes it doesn't work yeah It'd be rude for me not to finish on jumbos. I mean, oh, this is the least amount of jumbo I've talked about in a. In a I've got, unfortunately, I've got the. Uh, oh, but oh, don't worry, I quiz Mal. He knows plenty about the jumbos too, even though he's load haul specific. The now the four. Where, where are we at with? So the four twenty two eyes, obviously, you know, the automated. Yep. For boring, um, I'll talk about it first. Where is? I know at Telf when I seen him, they were like um, drilling the burn over shift change with one boom. Yeah. Because there was like, you know, you can, I think you, you could go to the effort to map out both booms, but there wasn't that um, oh, like a colli- yeah. collision system that it, it sort of did. One boom didn't know where the other boom was in terms of, knew where the collar was, but in terms of where, you know, your rollovers and, and interaction there, there was still, so they were just drilling. Yeah. So drilling over shift, they would use one boom. Yeah, essentially. Yep. So they'd still, they'd drill the whole burn with one boom. So you're, yep. you're getting a free burn. So where, where's that all heading? Is there, are they, they're obviously wanting to look at, right, how can we get a jumbo to essentially bore a whole face without a bloke looking at it? Yeah. So the, the first part of that was to have the um, 3D scanning on the front. Yeah. So you could work out the overbreak and the underbreak and then map the mine. So that's part of the uh, development of the mine. And yep. then that feeds back into the bigger picture. And then you have a, um, a 3D picture of the mine. Yeah. So the next part is then that spatial awareness. So scanning that face and understanding where your booms are and because it's, you know, you, you see the technology working that takes out the noise of the booms where they are yep. and, and then that will give you um, where those booms are at any particular time and then you should be able to do your perimeters and your lifters as well. Yep. So that's that's always been in development. Yep. A few things had to happen first, so that's starting to come out now. Yep, yep. And is that... So that's being able to like it'll essentially follow a pattern where not not like your rails nothing should come within close proximity to and, but well, yeah what? it'll know the big boulders on the outside as well you know yeah. and and don't forget the 422i knows exactly where it's going to end up yeah. so it knows where the rock drill is going to hit on the way through yeah so yeah that's that's the whole point you have that spatial awareness that that scanning um, of the environment and or yeah. know where to position the boom. So, so when you say yeah. scanning of the environment, is there a piece of equipment that will literally do a survey pickup of the immediate environment to know where the yeah. lumps are? Yeah, and so you, you um, park down there, um, you, you put your jacks up, it'll do a, it's got two scanners on the front yeah. and they'll do a, a 3D scan of the environment yeah. and then that'll work out and then where you need to um, position those booms because it knows you're going to put in the recipe where those holes are going to be yep. um, and what that needs to look like. Geez, you might have to give that to the the surveyors, Mike. That'd be the go <laughs> if you just give the surveyors a jumbo and they can just tram it through a drive and get the pickup and... Well, they'll chuck like, it on the hard drive yeah. and they're done. Yeah, because when they get back that picture, that three D scan, they'll it'll either be red or blue, being over overbreak or underbreak, mm. or uh, yep. or whether it's on profile. Yeah, bolting, bolting with jumbos, automated bolting with jumbos. Oh, Is- I, I formally do not endorse it. <laughs> <laughs> what are, I, I heard there was. Um, prototypes out that were doing like that could you know drill it automatic automatically drill a hole and insert a bolt yeah what's the uh where's all that sort of automation at yeah so that's um it's part of the measure of drilling right so you um you measure whether you, you put the hole it comes in and it could be a rock bolt it could be a cable bolt it could be whatever i mean we've been yep. doing cable bolts for some time yep. um could be resin now there's a a, a fair 
um, drive to go resin bolting. Yep. So, yeah, that's, that's all you, out Can there. you stop that drive if you, bloody, keep them away from the manual side, get rid of the resins? Because <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. the, 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 it's a DD, um, a DS422i. Yep. So, we've already got one tested here in Australia. So, DS, what's that stand for? So, DS is um, basically ground support. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the 422i means it's on that chassis yep. and I've been intelligent. Yep. Yep. That's uh, and that's obviously like spot bolting only. I would assume it's not going to flick mesh around for you. <laughs> uh, well, some of them have a uh, mesh arm as well, so really, it'll, it'll pick the mesh up, uh, pin it up there, and then you just got to come through and and um, and bolt. Really, full yeah. and fully automated. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, but you, the mesh isn't fully automated. You're gonna have to do something you, there. You're but, gonna have to put it there. Yeah, <laughs> put it in the drive. A mesh arm. Yeah, so there's well, there's also mesh out there, but the mesh arm will just grab the mesh and pin it up there for you. Yeah, and, and then you um, you'll have booms to do the rest of it. Is that like a similar to those robotic arms that that were on the solos to load the load rods on? Is that a similar sort of arm, or like an actual uh, third boom? Of it, some it, sort? It's a a third auxiliary boom essentially. Yeah, it's not yep. a um, your little black um, high ab that's on there. No. Yeah, yeah, that all sounds very very interesting. Yeah, <laughs> it's. Uh, because as we said, like the, it's been that way because it's worked well for so long. It's but but she's been bolt mesh ball with jumbos for for so long. But um, and, and Australians are so efficient in in doing that. Yeah. Uh, and the scaling and the uh, and the bolting as well. So mm. it, it's got to be a pretty compelling case to take mm. it back the other way and have yep. it because you know you're adding in a person, um, you're adding in another machine. Yeah. So it's it doesn't really do the numbers here in Australia. Well, just the especially for the no heading is ever perfect and every heading's different and there's just so many Yeah, it's like you if you really analyze the process of bolt meshing and it, it look even boring just like what's going through a human's head like in in real time to take into account every little lump and everything to maintain your overlap on your mesh to yeah. um to get that into a computer it'd be pretty unbelievable oh, um, i've seen some geniuses um pulling those levers just incredible to watch yeah and it's um and all muscle memory and it's like yeah. not not even muscle memory it's known they're not even watching their hands or anything it's, yeah. it's just incredible well it's a, and it's known every little situation you've been in these guys have been in for the last 20 years yep. to know how to perfectly sit this mesh in this heading like it's um yeah it's pretty yeah and as you said aussie the aussie high speed development's just done so well yeah. it's um it's yeah as you said it'd have to be pretty compelling to get something that's going to beat that yep what about um i guess the like do you think jumbos are going to be the way is there road header tvm technology do you think that'll ever take over the good old jumbo bolt mesh ball. Yeah, well, and, and if, if it's going to happen, it's going to be driven by Australians because they're um, they're far more advanced. And you start to look at some of the records that comes out of Australia. They're only out of Australia, right? So, mm. uh, a meter is advanced. So, yeah. if we're going to do anything, it has to be competitive. Competitive to that. Yeah. So, and I say, like everyone else, we're developing um, that technology, and um, you know, um, nickname of Rock Vader, and it's a mx650 and it's a um it's a mix of tbm and road header so it's um it's been out there in our austrian mine yeah so yeah because we have we own a, a tungsten mine in austria as well for oh, shits and giggles just to, is that and just to, just to make the bits i gather yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we sell it to the open market as well but yep. you know so that's another testing um environment we can go to as well it's a safe place yeah yeah so we have our unit testing there yeah what's what's You've got oh, however many years left in your career before you're fishing and playing <laughs> golf using your golden reel that you were talking about. Yeah. <laughs> what What do you want to be part of? What do you before you finish your, your tenure in the mining industry and go pushing up daisies? What What legacy? What legacy? Are you What do you want to be a part of that's going to come in? Come in, and, and whether it's a technology or a system. What What do you want to leave? Well, I guess if I've looked at the whole career and what I've been doing the whole time is to make it the safest place you could possibly be. Yeah. So, and that doesn't really mean um, you're not going to get um, chop off your arms or anything. It's the same, right? If we're using battery because that's saving people's lungs, yep. you know, the safest equipment because 
because um, we've designed it that way based on our learnings, you know. Um, whether it's the TBMs or whether it's um, our, our Rock Vader doing it, it's too hard to tell. But whatever the case is, we've gave the industry uh, taken that feedback, put it into a product, put it on the market, and at any one moment in time, it's the safest we can ever be. Yeah. Oh, I love it, mate. You've inspired me. <laughs> <laughs> Mal, thanks so much for having me. I've had a ball today. Oh, good. I have a ball. Thanks for the tour. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for the coffee. I thought we were waiting for the truck to rock up. I thought we thought uh, <laughs> we thought Mal's PA ran off with his twenty bucks, but uh, yeah, no. Th- thank you to her for delivering a coffee as well. And uh, oh, awesome. Thanks for having me, mate. No, thanks. No, thank thanks you. for commenting, liking me post. I'm like, yeah, I think you'd be biggest fan. I was just, I'm stoked. Well, <laughs> I, I think you're like me. You're passionate about um, your job. You're passionate about mining. Uh, and I, I still am. I get involved in these other industry groups because I love it. Yep. I go to these conventions because I get to talk to like-minded people. Yep. I get to live it on a daily basis. It's so a very toxic, uh, infectious industry in terms of not toxic, I mean infectious just for how, you know, obsessive you can be about it. It's yeah. just such an exciting industry to be in. I just love and we're it. We're doing cool stuff. Yeah, we're bloody – oh, we just we went over east. So, um, talking to them – I was, I was walking around with something. They're like, watch yourself. I said, mate, I'll carry around explosives. On the day you worry about me. And it just sounds so cool to people in uh, people in, in Sydney that are like, you know, yeah. driving in and out of the bloody city every day and knowing <laughs> what we do over here in the mining industry. I think it's just great. Yeah. Yeah. Just keep buying the shares, I guess. <laughs> so, <laughs> right, hey, Mal, good on you, mate. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.